Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Transfer Portal CFB podcast presented by No Context CFB. I am your host, Dylan Rubin King. Man, it is November 29th as we record this, which means the regular season is done. We're talking about conference championship week already. It still feels like I should be making days until college football graphics every day. Like the season absolutely went by. I'm so happy to be joined by Max Torres, the publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest on Sports Illustrated. He's also a recruiting analyst with Sports Illustrated All-American. Max, thank you for joining us, man. How you doing? Yeah, what's up, Dylan? Appreciate you guys uh, reaching out. Excited to hop on and, and talk some college football and always good to, to see a familiar face. Um, and man, it's been a, a crazy time in college football, so plenty of stuff to get into. Yes, sir. If you're an Oregon fan, you know Max Torres all too well. The man is on top of the recruiting game, the beat game. I mean, he just absolutely knows everything there is to know about Oregon football. I worked with him for 14 months, so I can definitely attest to that as well. I'm also joined by Andrewster and Liam. How are we doing, boys? Uh, uh, roads suck. It's getting into that season where snow is falling on the ground. And, you know, at least we still have college football. That That's a plus. When that goes away, I don't think I'm going to be very happy. Oh, yeah, you're in Minnesota. So it's, I mean, it's almost December. It's bound to happen. I'm actually getting some out here in, in Western Washington, which is a little early for, for us to be getting that sort of weather out here, but not as much as the Midwest, thankfully, hopefully, but we'll see by the end of the week. We're supposed to keep getting snow, but we're not here to talk about weather. We're here to talk some ball, man. Right. College it's 52 football. degrees in Vegas. And the rambling has begun. Yeah, it's 52. Oh, wow. You don't want to talk about that? Wow, that is a headline right there. But we got to talk about Oregon season now that we have Max, the Oregon man himself. I'm just curious. Of course, you've been talking about Oregon all season long. You do podcasts, what feels like every day. You're writing about him all the time. You're doing radio stuff about him. So I'm sure you've been asked this a bunch. But real quickly, I just want to get your feel for the the end of Oregon season, your opinion on you know losing two of the last three and where they stand as of right now. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, losing two of the last three games definitely leaves a sour taste in your mouth. You know, if you're an Oregon fan, uh, you know, you feel like uh, it leaves a lot to be desired. Um, some people I'm, you know, hear chatter of, you know, oh, it was like the 2021 season. But I mean, I can't really see the similarity other than losing two of the last three games because those two of the last three games that you lost last year to Utah were never winnable. You were just getting, you were just getting drugged the entire time, but these two games you lose by a combined seven points. Uh, they were super winnable. Uh, one of them was at home or Oregon's, you know, long home win streak came to an end and then you lose another game to your rivals. So losing both your games to your rivals is certainly a, t- a tough way to end the year. And then you had Dillingham leave, which wasn't a huge surprise, but it kind of feels like salt in the wound seeing that, you know, the season, the regular season, I should say, ended how it did. So I think you saw some glimpses throughout the season of, uh, you know, areas that Oregon improved uh, from Cristobal to Lanning, um, looking mainly at the offense, uh, seeing how dry it was last year and how innovative and creative and exciting uh, it was this year. And then you saw a little bit of growth on defense, um, I think that that was kind of one of the biggest areas that didn't live up to standard. You know, you had Dan Landing, you had Tosh LaPoy come in, uh, you had Christian Gonzalez and, you know, some, some names out of the portal. A lot of people were expecting this kind of amazing defense or something similar to, you know, the 2019 defense with all the talent that they had established and assembled throughout the staff and the roster, but that definitely under delivered. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a sky is falling type of a deal, you know, nine and three to end the regular season. Uh, you were in contention for the Pac-12 title and you can still win 10 games. So 
overall, I'd say a, a decent season, but also to a degree kind of well short of the mark that Oregon was capable of. Like a lot of Oregon fans, older Oregon fans that have been fans for a long time, aren't, you know, screaming that the, this guy is falling after a, a year like this, especially with a first year head coach, because the fact that nine and three is considered a down year or disappointing year, however you want to word it, is really telling of where Oregon has been over the last decade, two decades, um, if you want to go that far. So, but in terms of the Pac 12 as a whole, you mentioned that Oregon was in contention up until the very end of this season. I just want to get a feel for how you, um, you know, took a look at the Pac 12 season as a whole, because it, it felt like for a lot of people that this was the best the Pac 12 has been in years. Did you feel that way as well? Yeah, I definitely felt that way. I think, you know, even when I was just writing, you know, the weekly AP stories, I was like, wow, there's a lot of Pac 12 schools in here. Um, and especially with all the change that the conference went through from a coaching perspective, I thought that was really interesting. You know, you had DeBoer at Washington, Lanning at Oregon, Riley at USC, um, you know, for that much change with some of the biggest, you know, schools in the conference and for them to be that successful that quickly, uh, was definitely a shock and a surprise for me. Uh, but being, you know, West coast guy, originally from the Bay area, it's, it's nice to see the PAC 12 doing well. Uh, I think it's just a little bit of a bummer that it maybe comes on the the tail end of the conference's existence because we don't know what's going to happen with all the craziness of college, uh, you know, college conference realignment. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the Pac-12 brought so many. Oh, go ahead, Liam. What's up? I just want like we brought up Andrew Stern and I on our recap pod from last week. This was the worst year possible that the Pac-12 could abandon divisions. But like, I don't know if y'all feel the yeah. same way. But Utah. I don't think they're a top five team in the Pac-12, and they're playing for a Pac-12 championship right now. Kind of wild. Like, it's wild. Like, Oregon or Washington should be the rep, and it, the Pac-12 just finds ways to destroy themselves, even when they do the right thing. I mean, it makes me look good, because I, I picked Utah-USC as the, the conference championship back in July, and that, that worked out. I didn't think Utah would get there this year, given their start and everything that they've gone through with injuries and personnel change and stuff like that. But makes me look good. I'll take it. But uh, the Pac-12, as we mentioned, has had – there's been so many great moments in the Pac-12 this season. But as a whole, I just, now that we're through the regular season, Max, let me start with you. What was your favorite moment or favorite moments from the regular season? And this is just on the Pac-12 or talking about Oregon specifically? Uh, college football as a whole. Start to finish, whatever you want to do. Oh man, that's a, there's a lot of moments you could go. Um, wow. Um, I think this is kind of weird, but I feel like one of the more exciting moments for me, even though I don't think they actually won was Texas against Alabama. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting just to see where Sark measured up with, you know, the, the gold standard of college football, but at the same time, a lot of time has passed since then. And Alabama is not the Alabama that they usually are um, this year. But I thought that was a really interesting moment to to look at because, you know, Texas is one of the premier brands in college football. They're moving to the SEC, so we could see that matchup more frequently now. Um, so that that was definitely, a, a, I think, an interesting moment for me, just kind of seeing how Sark's been able to get those guys up and running. Uh, we know the success that they've had on the tra- on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal. Um, I don't know if Texas is necessarily back. Um, but, but that was definitely a, an interesting one for me is just seeing that matchup unfold. That was one of the better games I think that, that I can remember from this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to also go against Alabama. So we might end up seeing a trend. Another UT, in fact, Tennessee, that game 
not only was it a stellar game between two stellar quarterbacks, Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young, but just an absolutely electric atmosphere at Neyland. It was the most insane we've seen Knoxville go in quite some time. And obviously the result of the game helped it a lot. See the sea of orange over the field, the goalposts tracking them on Twitter. Where the heck are they now? Probably, you know, cut up in some frat house or blocking a river, possibly. I don't know. Just an absolutely pure story. Tennessee finally getting over that hump the third October, or the third Saturday in October. What a story. What a team. Unfortunately, it did not end as well as they probably would have hoped it would. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee, Alabama, App State, Troy, and Marshall, Notre Dame were all like three stellar games that produced high-quality moments that, uh, you know, cherished for a while. And then just like three other moments. I know we only said to bring one, but I'm sorry. Uh, Like Clark Lee and Vanderbilt letting Ace Williams hang out with the team all week and then travel to Hawaii was pretty cool. Uh, He's the the son of Jimmy Williams, who's one of the best players in Vandy's history and passed away at 43 in the summer. So letting his kid Ace go out there and hang out with the team and just like Mike Wright, let him be a part of the on-field interview after the game and let him say some words. He said, go Commodores. I don't know. That was a pretty cool moment. Um, Brian Brzee returning to action after the passing of his sister Ella was also like a huge deal. Uh, Brian really didn't have, you know, the season he wanted, but, it, you know, we understand that he's been through so much this year. It's been a really tough year for him and for him to bounce back from that and, like, go out there and make a huge game-deciding play against Wake Forest. We saw how much that meant to him and the Brazil family. And then San Jose State, the honoring of Camden McWright, uh, the team taking the field and forming the number six, I thought was one of the biggest, like, images of the season. Absolutely. Yeah, those are all great moments. And for me, I think some of my favorite moments were just seeing some quarterbacks who had been through so much in their careers, whether it be injuries, transfers, uh, personnel changes, and then just come out on top and just come out over the adversity. I'm talking about Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Jaden Delora, even if you want to go and stick in the Pac-12. you know, Jordan Travis, DJU had some moments this year as well that we just did not see last year. There's so many more guys that we could talk about. Adrian Martinez is a big one as well. Max Duggan. I can just keep going on and on. Uh, Spencer Sanders started the year really well. Spencer Rattler finished the season really well. There's so many guys who just were unproven or, you know, everybody kind of wrote them off and, you know, they just kept their head down and worked and had a really great year. So that was something that was really exciting to see. Um and a number of those quarterbacks are going to be playing this weekend in, in conference championship um, weekend, which is really awesome as well, especially the Kansas State TCU game. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, now that we're in the regular season, you know, the post regular season era, we're in head coaching carousel. It's the coaching carousel madness. Obviously, we can't get too deep into it because we still got games to play. But we've got some headlines now. Luke Fickle obviously going to Wisconsin. Hugh Freeze is now the Auburn head coach and more and more are going to be set to come in the coming days. But I'm curious your guys' take. Which first year head coach will make the biggest impact in 2023? We'll start with you, Max. Okay, so we're looking at the guys that are in new stops so far. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Um, Yeah, I thought Luke Fickle was one of the more interesting ones because once he got to Cincinnati or once Cincinnati got to the playoff, I thought a lot of people were saying because he came up in the Oregon circle a little bit, I think, when they were looking for their head coach and they were saying there's no way he could leave uh, from from Cincinnati. Um, 
but I think that there's a lot to uh, you know, a lot at um, a lot at at Cincinnati, and then you also have Dillingham recently at, at Arizona State. But who knows what's going to happen when the NCAA comes down with those uh, you know consequences from the the upcoming investigation. Um, man, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Fickle. Let's let's talk about Fickle a little bit because I think Wisconsin is definitely one of those schools that has always been competitive and has mostly been competitive in the Big Ten. But they've kind of been, you know, maybe not a quarterback away, but they can hang with anybody. I feel like, right? You know, they have the the tradition for their play in the trenches with the offensive and defensive lines. They've had some good running backs come through there. Um, so I think that if I'm Wisconsin and I'm looking at this, you know, this is a guy that knows the blueprint, uh, to get to the college football playoff. We obviously know getting to the playoff and winning in the playoff are two very different things. Uh, there's definitely a a pretty big gap between teams that can do that. Uh, but when he gets to a school that has one of the, the more rich traditions, I think in the big 10, uh, and obviously with more resources than, than Cincinnati, um, probably gonna be able to recruit a little bit better too. Uh, and now he's got some guys that he's put in the league that he can hang his hat on. I, I think that it shapes up pretty well for Luke Fickle to have some good success uh, out there at Madison. I'm actually going to go to a coach you talked about. I love the Dillingham move for Arizona State. And yes, the NCAA is going to have action on Arizona State for their actions that were deemed illegal. But we've seen in the past when programs make coaching moves to go away from the coach that you know had those bad moments – the NCAA usually is a little bit more lenient. Obviously, Tennessee is the biggest example. They were, it was a very lenient uh, consequence that they were given. Now they have Hypel. I'm sure they're very happy. K- Kenny Dillingham, obviously ASU grad alum, he was so freaking good in that presser. I was, I was hyped. I didn't know if I wanted to shed a tear or run through a wall. He seems to love that program. He seems to have full support from that program. And Arizona State, we know it's not in a great spot right now. His offensive mind. Arizona State's a talented, talented area. Obviously, Arizona's just filled with recruits. They're going to be able to get success in recruiting. They're going to be successful in the portal, especially. There's a lot of good receivers, especially in the FCS, from the state of Arizona that could possibly be making that move to the Pac-12. Hayden Hatton's a receiver I look at from Idaho, possible. I, I just love this move for Arizona State. You get a guy that loves the program already. Program loves him. Match made in heaven. Yeah, um, TBD for me. There's not many hires I actually really like right now. Like I like the Fickle hire a lot. I like the Dillingham hire too, but I'm waiting on Alex Golash. I'm waiting on Garrett Riley. I'm waiting on Primetime. I'm waiting on Mr. Sanders. Where are they going? I could say there are hires I don't love. Like I'm not in love with the Brent Key hire for Georgia Tech. I, I'm not in love with the Matt Rule hire for for Nebraska, and I know a lot of people are going to be, but, like, slow down there. Like, yeah, you could say all the right things and everything, but how about the wrong things he said? Because I look at it, and I see him say, we're going to be a little bit more of an old-school type of team, and I'm frightened. You really want to be running that 1940s football? That's what we want to do? That's what you want? Physical play on the offensive line is great and all, but if you want to be an old school type of team in 2023, you're going to get smacked. And then 2024, you're going to get smacked. I I don't love the rule hire. I'll say it. This is a guy that has signed seven year extensions twice and or seven year extension, seven year contract now, eight year contract. Guy's got a great agent. Good for Matt Rule. Making bank. 
I don't love the hire. I think Nebraska's looking for a new head coach in like 2025 or something. I, I'm going to be honest. I will say that the Brent Key one, I go back and forth on that. Because, yeah, I do think maybe Georgia Tech could have gone with a splash hire, like a Dion, bring him to, to Atlanta. Um, you know, I know that would get the program and it's, its boosters hyped if that would have happened. But the way that they played under Brent Key down the stretch was really, really impressive. Yeah, they had the one stinker against Miami, had a bad second half against Georgia, but that team just looked like it cared. And it looked like it cared because of Brent Key and his, you know, his care for the players in the program. And I just don't think they've had that for a while. This this team has been in the absolute basement in the cellar of the ACC for a while, and they deserve better. I think the team believes in Brent Key, and I do think they will be competitive but I think they probably could have gotten to, you know, to be a, a nine win team with a different coach. I think it's going to take yeah. some time with key because he's just not proven yet. Um, I think if, if they would have gotten a Dion or, um, you know, anybody else that had experience, throw Scott Frost in there, perhaps. I know oh, I think Scott. somebody brought his Don't name in that. there. Who said that? But they have. <laughs> but they but they have experience. That's what I'm saying. Brent Key just doesn't doesn't quite have that yet. But it didn't really show to matter. I mean, that team played its best it's seen in a long time with with Brent Key. Um, looking at that Pitt game, that was incredibly impressive. One of the best mm-hmm. upsets of the year. I know Pitt fell off, but at the time, that was a phenomenal win. Um, so the other part of the regular season ending is now we're in transfer portal season. This is where we make our bread, baby. The transfer portal is going wild right now. We've seen a ton of names entering. We're still seeing names entering as we speak. I'm checking it out on the side of my screen just to see if there's anything coming that we have to break in. But Max, I want to start with you now that you've, you know, we've, you've read all the names that are coming into the portal, a couple out of Oregon as well. But overall as a whole, which player that's entered the portal so far shouldn't be overlooked do you think that people should maybe take a look at and coaches should take a look at bringing into the program man there's already so many guys that have hit the portal um you know just this season and it hasn't even you know necessarily ended yet um i feel like it's not necessarily a guy to um to overlook but uh what was it was his name Kyrie jackson out of bama the the defensive back um I, th- I think that just, you know, even though maybe he didn't have a, a crazy season at, at Bama, um, I think that there's definitely a lot that you can, you know, latch onto from playing at a program like Alabama and obviously, you know, going against some of the top, top guys in the, you know, in the country. Um, and, and I think that he's definitely going to be one of the hotter names to, to, you know, look at. And, and I think that there's, that you could say that about a lot of these schools, right? There's going to be guys that transfer away from, you know, your Alabamas, your A&Ms that didn't necessarily play a lot, but they had a really high billing coming out of high school. Um, so maybe those guys are some that can kind of tend to fly under the radar because they didn't do a whole lot at their respective spots. You know, we had Dante Thornton at Oregon and he he's going to have no shortage of, of uh, you know, guys that schools that come after him. I just talked about him earlier today. So, um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to go, go with Kyrie Jackson. I'm going to go up to the big 10 and there's a quarterback that entered the transfer portal for the second time in two years that I don't think he's bad. I just think the system around him was completely awful. And his name is Connor Bazalak coming from Missouri, going to Indiana. If we remember what Indiana was like post Kalen DeBoer with Michael Penix, they sucked. They were awful. They were putrid. They were atrocious in every sense of the matter on offense. Didn't really change that much this year. There were some high moments. The Illinois game was good for Bazalak, but 
man, I just don't think Indiana's built to have a gunslinging quarterback that can throw the ball 55 times a game, yet they still do it. I don't understand why. He's a talented quarterback. I would like to see him go to a offense with just better skill position everywhere. Indiana is not really a place you're going to get, you know, the top tier wide receivers or, you know, a running back that can run the ball 40 times a game to help you just get him to like a, a Washington. If Penix enters the draft, you know what, man, Kalen DeBoer, maybe Indiana is a pipeline for quarterbacks for you. I don't know. Also, Cade McNamara. I don't really know if he's under the radar because he's probably one of the biggest quarterbacks in the pool right now. But don't like sweep him under the rug because he didn't win the Michigan job. He's still a very competent quarterback. You're excited to see him at Iowa, aren't you? If he goes to Iowa, that's the worst business decision ever. Putting literally putting yourself with Brian Ferentz purposefully is stupid. And you deserve to go five and seven and have a thousand yards and 17 picks. Sounds good to me, man. Uh, Tyrese Chambers is obviously a big name. Look out for wide receiver going from FIU to who knows where. He has no shortage of offers. He's going to have a lot of interest in the RA does. Confident receiver with really good tape from 2020. Um, and, and he just doesn't have that many eyes on it, but he balls out whenever he gets opportunity. One of the bad things about his unfortunate 2020 i said 2020 his 2021 season was really good sorry but his 2022 season was not that good and that's in due part to one injury and two the system and the and just everything about that offense was just not good and this is the guy that was being double teamed and triple teamed on a vast majority of snaps i'm sorry on a team with the talent of fiu's offense you're not doing much when you're getting tripled Tyrese Chambers is still an NFL receiver. We'll see him ball out at school TBD. I think Dequise Carter from Fordham's another guy to look at. He's just kind of under the radar because he played on the same offense as Tim Demora and Fotis Kokosilas. So look out for Carter. He had 56 grass for like 1,160 yards and like 13 touchdowns in that Fordham high-flying offense. And then North Alabama's Sean Derek Powell. He's patient. He's tough. He takes long strides, and he runs with absolute ferocity. He might be five foot seven, but someone's getting an absolute stud at the FBS level. I know he has a Louisiana Tech offer and a Texas State offer. Let's get that up. Let's get high-level group of fives and some, some other uh, power fives in the mix. Let's go. Yeah, thank you for bringing up Shunderic because Shunderic is an absolute animal at 5'7". The dude just runs like a horse. The dude is awesome, great kid. Some school is going to be very, very happy with him. But one guy I want to talk about that I'm, I'm surprised you didn't talk about is Grant DuBose from Charlotte. Now, Charlotte offense was gross for the most part. They had so much talent, and it was just completely mishandled and mismanaged. Um Grant DuBose is an insane talent at receiver. The man mm -hmm. is a contested catch machine. The dude has phenomenal hands when the throw is accurate. He's just a really, really good receiver, complete receiver, great size, great hands. He's just everything you want. And to me, this guy is a power five receiver. And that was just yeah, a, a dude. terrible team, a terrible situation. The dude has a great story. Liam's talked about it every other podcast. Go check that out. Grant DeBose is an absolute star, and I, I cannot wait to see him be a wide receiver one on a, a really good team because that's what he deserves. It's what he's deserved for a long time. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens with him. We'll keep talking about the transfer portal guys as the season moves along, but we got games to talk about. It's still game week. We got conference championships coming up. 
But some of the games that we've we were looking at on this slate, we would have never assumed would have happened in August. We did so much preview content. I'm sure we were way off on some of the conference championship matchups. But if someone showed you the slate back in August, let's say August 27th when the season kicked off, which one would be the hardest for you to believe would be the two teams standing in that conference? I'll start with you, Max. All right. Yeah, sounds good. I think for me, I'm going to go to the Big 12. I think Kansas State and TCU are two of the biggest surprises from this 2022 season. Um, you know, both both teams have, have pulled off some big wins. I mean, TCU still in in contention for a playoff spot, um, which I, I think is, you know, tremendous, you know, testament to the coaching staff over there. You know, Max Duggan and how he's done uh, at, at quarterback. So, um, it's interesting to see that these guys are in line to play for a, a conference championship, especially, you know, with, with, uh, Texas and Steve Sarkeesian and all the buzz that they generated in the off season, Brent Venables returning to, to Oklahoma, uh, to take over the program there. Uh, you had, um, you know, a lot of guys follow Lincoln Riley out to, to, uh, USC. So maybe that wasn't as much of a surprise, but with big names moving to new schools, um, I thought that a lot of people, I don't think that maybe Texas and Oklahoma were both going to be in the conference championship, but I kind of expected at least one of those teams to be uh, playing for a Big 12 title come Saturday. I got two. I'm going to start in the Conference USA where, you know, UTSA, that was expected, but the North mean? Texas mean green. You know what, man? Shut me up. Dang well. <laughs> I mean, North Texas Barstool, I apologize. I apologize once again for calling you guys not the top echelon of the conference because you definitely are. That was a fun team to watch this year. That's going to be one of my favorite conference championship games to talk about. And then we're going to go to the ACC, North Carolina. I, I can go on a little bit of a rant about their coaching, but they made the conference title game, which is what we're talking about right now. If you look at that division, Pitt won it last year, Miami you know, going into this year, a lot of high expectations. Now, granted, Miami sucked. So that's a different story. North Carolina making it with no Sam Howell, Josh Downs, stellar receiver. But we didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. It was either going to be Chris Well or May. Now May is a Heisman candidate. He won't win it, but I believe he should, he should still be on his way to New York. He had that great of a season. I'm shocked that they did this well. If you look at preseason expectations, props to them, even though your coaching staff sucks. That's facts. Um, also facts, if someone in August tells you the Big Ten championship is going to be Michigan versus Purdue, would you have asked them what they're smoking? Like, someone please say yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, uh, I think also just looking at it, like LSU being able to make the SEC championship with two SEC losses is something to absolutely like – that's insane. Like, you're not expecting that to come into the year. You see Alabama make the SEC championship with two losses. You're wondering what the heck is going on out there in the deep south. How LSU is getting there with two losses is wild. You tell someone that in August, I don't know what they're asking, what you're smoking. And then Ohio, the turnaround from three and nine to nine and three, making the MAC title game is absolutely massive. Um, yeah, I, I love that for Ohio. And yeah, that. that words the mac is just where turnarounds happen because they had northern illinois last year going from you know being the, in the cellar of uh of the mac to champions i mean there's, it's, it's, that's it's just the where it closest happens. it's the closest thing that you'll get to the nfl style of parody 
where it's just coin flip losses and then you just turn around next year it's just the coin flips are in your favor. Like I'm not saying the talent level or anything. I'm just saying straight up. It's kind of NFL. Any given Tuesday or Wednesday. It's pretty insane. The Mac is or awesome. Saturday but, uh, at 9 a.m. Pacific because these guys don't want to play Friday conference championships anymore. Terrible decision from the Mac. Yeah, well, we'll we'll do a separate rant show for Lamb so he can get everything off his chest. But you guys took the, the two I was going to say. The Big 12 is is crazy because Kansas State, for me, was kind of an afterthought. We knew they had talent, but was the coaching there? Was the defense there? Could they put it all together? And they definitely did. Had a lot of adversity this year. Adrian Martinez was in and out, had some injuries elsewhere, uh, played a really, really tough schedule. But they, they're here. They're in the Big 12 championship. Same thing with TCU. I mean, that, that month of October was probably the best month any team has had in college football this season. I mean, TCU absolutely was running through teams, uh, ranked team after ranked team and getting wins. And obviously they weren't beating up everybody, blowing everybody out like playoff teams should, blah, 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 whatever. But this team deserves to be in the playoff uh, conversation. And if they beat Kansas State, no matter what else happens, I think TC was a lock if they win. They shouldn't. That shouldn't be a conversation. I think you could even put them top two, depending on how the, the top two games go. I mean, I really like TCU. Liam, I know you have them in your top two right now. Not a lot of people are going to say that. But I think them in, in Michigan, that is more of a debate than people might think. I know the Ohio State win might push people over the edge for Michigan, because for me, Ohio State was the number one team going into the season and for much of the season. But TCU is playing damn good football, too. And if they absolutely beat down Kansas State in convincing fashion, maybe put them number two. I, I mean, either way, it's, they're going to be playing probably Michigan if if everything goes according to plan this weekend. Yeah, doesn't even matter if you're two or three. It just matters for coin toss and what uniforms you're wearing and where your fans are sitting. But, like, let's be honest again, why I said in the group chat last night, Yo, if TCU came into the season with Oklahoma's branding and that preseason hype, they're number two right now, and there's nobody that has any concerns about this team. And that's the garbage that these fans have and this sport has. It's all the blah-de-blah-blah about brands, and ugh, it's terrible. Well, Oklahoma State was near six team two last year, returned a lot of guys on offense, not so much defense. Uh, Baylor was the reigning champion, you know, they still had high expectations. So the fact that these two teams, you know, are here and in the conference championship is, is really super impressive. I did bring up Purdue and Michigan as well. I was on the Ohio state train. I thought they were going undefeated winning the national championship. Like that was my thought going into the year for much of the year. Of course they had a ton of injuries and Ryan day. We'll talk about that for another day, but the dude is kind of goofy when it comes to making decisions. He's, he's kind of a freak. Um, I just think that needs to be talked about, but the fact that they're not in the big 10 championship, let alone, you know, potentially not in the playoff. If, you know, if Michigan was to lose, maybe Ohio state gets in. I don't think that'll happen, but you know, no. if, if crazy things happen, Ohio state could find its way in still. But the fact that they're not in the big 10 championship even is crazy to me. Cause I thought they were running the table all the way through. Um, but you know, if somebody would have said back in August that Ohio state wouldn't make the big 10 championship, that would have made a hot take. That would have been a number one hot take, but Let's talk about this weekend. Let's talk about right here, right now. What is your hot take for this weekend? Something crazy you think will happen. Max, bring it. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go Deuce Vaughn over 150 all-purpose yards against TCU. 
in the Big 12 uh, title game. Uh, he's such an easy guy to root for, and he always shows – I feel like he really shows up, uh, you know, when it matters most for them. Uh, someone who's kind of gradually been getting more respect, but, you know, you see a guy, what is he, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, uh, I think, you know, it's it's kind of hard to, to, you know, give him the respect that he maybe deserves. But uh, I think that, you know, I, I t- talked about that being my biggest shocker of a conference championship game with – with uh, not so much TCU being in there, but I guess maybe with Kansas State because they feel like they haven't been like super good for you know a while. So uh, give me the Deuce Vaughn stock. I hope he balls out on Saturday. LSU makes Georgia fans sweat. This Georgia team is not that good. Yes, you can say they're the number one team in the country. They probably have to deserve to be there because every other team has had some sort of falters, but Georgia has as well. Look, their offense is not good. Stetson Bennett is not an elite quarterback. Stop trying to force that stupid narrative. It's not going to work. He doesn't have a ton of touchdowns. He's not the most accurate guy. Yes, he can run. Yes, he's got a good arm. It doesn't make him the smartest quarterback ever. My gosh, the hype for him is insanely high. It doesn't deserve to be. They have offensive troubles in the first half. Defense, it's a probably top three defense. Not as good as last year, so definitely taking a step back. LSU, after an awful game against Texas A&M, People are saying, oh, there's the LSU we expected. There's the 6-16 six and 16 we expected. Well, they went 9-3 and three for a reason. They've got a lot of good talent on this team. they got a lot of speed on that defense. Harold Perkins, Stetson Bennett, you got a guy that can keep up with you. Be careful, man. LSU, I don't think that this is a, like a Georgia wins 31-10. to 10. This is a like Georgia 20, LSU 17. This is a close, low-scoring game. I'm in agreement there with Andrew Schuster, and I am in complete disagreement with another game time. Why on earth is this game being played at 2 p.m. Pacific on ESPN Plus? What are we doing? This is FCS playoff football. This is the last game of the week in the in this FCS slate. Why on earth is your last game? In Northern California at 2 p.m. Pacific, that's some garbage stuff. This should be late night ESPN like we had with the Montana game last week. Sacramento State, great season undefeated, 11-0, really cool. Reese Dinsky and the Spiders are coming to town. Richmond's being Sac State. See ya. It's a good pick. All right. Thanks, man. Good one. I'm going with a group of five team. I think Fresno State is going to smack Boise State. And I know I might... I might be a little biased. Yeah, I know you were you were into Boise State all season long. And, you know, they've really played great football in the last couple of weeks, but so has Fresno State. And Jake Hayner coming back could not have come at a better time because they were completely forgotten about when he was injured and as they should have been because that team was bad. They were getting rolled. Offense was dead. Defense was not playing very well. But Jake Hayner and his array of weapons, I think they're going to light up a Boise State defense that has not been lit up at all this season. This Boise State defense is amazing, full of talent. But this Fresno State offense is coming into its own. It's turning into what I thought it was going to turn into when I predicted Fresno State was going to be a 10-11 win team back in August. I think Jake Hayner has been one of the best quarterbacks in college football since he came in in 2020. I think he's going to put all the hard work into fruition. I think he's going to put all the hate that Fresno State fans showed him when he entered the portal for 10 seconds behind him. I think he's going to come out and I think he's going to lead Fresno State to a conference title for the first time. I think it's four years. 2018 was was the last time they won. So, I mean, I, as much as I like this Boise State team, I love this Fresno State team. I, if you listen to the show, you know that. You know I'm a Jake Hayner guy. I know he transferred from UW. Sue me. I really don't care. Dude is amazing. I love this Fresno State team. and I cannot wait to see them on this kind of stage. I think they've deserved it for a long time.
you don't have a take for the Akron Buffalo game. We keep saying the regular season's over, but is it? I mean, I Akron beats Buffalo on the road. There's my hot take. <laughs> oh, wow, that's hot. I accidentally talked. You mean Joe Moorhead? The fighting Joe Moorheads. Oh, on that's the road. a tough. They just look got look. a big win. Yeah, but that's a tough look when like some random Buffalo Bulls fan account clips that. <laughs> Real like Buffalo. I'm sorry in advance. I'm sorry. I'm, give me the fighting Joe Moorheads, man. I don't care. They, they had a backup quarterback absolutely kick ass last week. Under give me part of two of that this week. Started from the, the beginning of the season, the Albany transfer. Don't listen to Liam, though. Play DJ Irons. Bad look. Oh, Akron. D, DJ Irons is kind of a dude, though. But we're going to move on from Akron. What are we doing? Conference championship. These games matter. Akron's done. Sorry, Joe Moorhead, but you're done. We're going into player <laughs> focus. Okay. We're going into player focus. For those of you who might be new here, first of all, thank you for joining. I don't know why you're new here and you haven't been tuned in for the longest time, but it's good to have you. We're going to talk about one player focus from the the Power Five and one from the Group of Five or the FCS, as Liam will probably do the FCS, as we can all guess by now. But Max, let's start with you. Yeah, so for this game, or sorry, for this player focus, I'm going to start with a game I'm actually going to be at. Uh, the plan right now, uh, the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas. Um, I'll admit I bought my ticket before, uh, you know, tickets to go there before Oregon fell apart. Uh, but I'm still going to take the opportunity to go with some of my good buddies uh, from my days living in Eugene uh, to the game. I'm going to say Clark Lee, or sorry, Clark Phillips, excuse me, not Clark Lee. Clark Phillips, the Utah corner, I think he's someone that's going to have to have a huge game if Utah wants to have any chance uh, of knocking off USC for the second time uh in one season but uh it's no secret that usc has turned it to another gear since that lost uh, against utah earlier this year um but usc is just loaded with weapons uh i mean even if cork phillips has an amazing game there's so many other guys that usc uh, and caleb williams can use to pick you apart but i think that he has to have a good game if, if they want any chance to be competitive in that one and then in the uh for my group of five i'm gonna go with boise state quarterback Taylor green um, I think that he he's obviously going to be pretty important for the Broncos against Fresno State uh, in the Mountain West Championship game. I think that he's had a you know a pretty solid season. You know, looking at some of his stats here, um, you know, twelve touchdowns through the air uh, compared to four picks. Uh, so I think he's done a pretty good job of taking care of the ball. Uh, has only thrown for more than 250 yards once. Uh, so maybe that's you know an area you want to see a little bit more from him. But uh, with, with what happened at Boise State with Bachmeyer, uh, you know, transferring or leaving the program, I don't know which word you want to use early in the season. Uh, I think he's obviously been a big part of their success and he's going to have to show up in a big way, especially with Hayner back because Dylan, I didn't know that that was actually the case. So maybe we'll have a good, uh, a good QB duel for uh, the Mountain West action. All right, moving on. I'm actually going back to the Pac-12. You talked about Clark Phillips. I'm going to take. I'm going to take Jordan Addison. He's a dynamic receiver. Obviously, got hurt earlier in the year. He's back. He's better than ever. The former Bolitnikov winner, which I'm still going to say he's the Bolitnikov winner because we don't have the winner for that one yet. Which, if we want to go off on a tangent, we could. Well, with those Can nominees, we uh, we'll save time. Lynn. We'll save time. We'll talk about that at a later date. Jordan Addison. You know, Caleb Williams, he's probably locked up that Heisman. Just give Jordan Addison like 200 yards, three touchdowns. Utah's secondary outside sure. Clark Phillips is not great. So I'm going to say USC just has a field day passing the ball. 
you know, we talked about that Utah-USC game a lot when it happened. This is going to be a little bit different. I think that this is just USC's for the taking. Jordan Addison's going to have a statement game that's going to remind everybody, hey, I still got some hardware on me. This isn't just about Caleb Williams. This is also about me. I'm very freaking good. Hardware and French shoes. Yep. And uh, Dylan said, Liam's going to go to the FCS. I'm going to go to the FCS, and I'm probably going to take the sickest pick we could ever have. Let's run back to that Weber State-Montana State uh, regular season game real quick. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. There was an FCS tying for safeties. Why may you ask it? No. <laughs> there was no Dan Orlovskis. There was no Dan Orlovskis. Don't worry. They snapped four punts into the end zone. That was a Sickos Committee masterclass. Grant Sands is going to need to pitch a perfect game against the Bobcats from the long snapping position. If no errors are committed, I think Weber State can beat Montana State handedly. Let's let's roll back to that score. 43-38. Well, eight points from safeties. From those ensuing possessions, from the punt on a safety, Montana State scored a touchdown every time. 36 of their points came from safeties and possessions after them. Weber State can score. If they can stop Tommy Mellett, Weber State wins this game. Look for long snapping to be the reason this game is why it happens for the brand. Dude, I have to I have to make a graphic for player focus. You think I'm going to be able to find a picture of a long snapper? Are you You're going to have to. <laughs> it's probably Dude. with the poor kid's hands and his head like this. After he came up oh, my God. Like, I'm not tagging him. freak for this. I'm not tagging him if we, if I make that, dude. <laughs> I'm just going to do that to him. That. I'm sorry, man. Dude, you're going to get by another Barstool account. Are you kidding me? I'm I, sorry. Truth, truth be told, I wasn't going to go to the FCS. I was. I was going to go with Taylor Green, but I'll let Max have him. I'll just talk a little bit more about him right quick. The right word, I think, to use for Hank Bachmeyer and transferring out was he was pushed out because uh, BYU uh, – I almost said Oregon State, then BYU. That's poor. Boise State fans saw the talent that Taylor Green showcased against Oregon State in the season opener, and then they kept seeing what Hank Bachmeyer was doing, and they kept petitioning. They kept they had the pitchforks up with, with fire and all that stuff, the, the torches. They were wanting Taylor Green to play some football. That pushed Bachmeyer out. Taylor Green is a six-foot-six, just he's like a unicorn, man. This is a guy that you don't see much of in our sport. He is a tremendous runner with his long strides and – Yes, you point to the throwing, doesn't have a game where he's gone over 250. The growth in his passing game from week to week has been extraordinary. And what he'll be able to do throwing the ball next season, it's going to be scary. I don't think he leaves, but if, if Green were to hit the portal, he should have in a like there should be an, an absurd amount of schools lining up for him. But nonetheless, my my uh, FCS player focus will be Reese Udinsky, Richmond. They're going to beat Sac State. And then Power 5, we're going to TCU, a defense that gets so much hate. Jamoy Hodge, shut the haters up. Independence Community College transfer. He's a really dang good linebacker with elite closing speed. Hits with absolute viciousness. I like Hodge a lot, and I hate the disrespect this TCU defense gets. I'm going to go against the, with a guy that's going against that TCU defense. I'm going with Adrian Martinez. This is the biggest stage of his career by far. 
I want to see if he can handle the big moment. Can he overcome all the adversity that he's gone through? All the jokes that people made about him, about turning the football <laughs> over. Can he make clutch plays? I mean, if you guys watched, I think it was week eight, College Game Day did a um, a feature on Adrian Martinez and just everything he's been through in his career. And, you know, the Duke was very honest about his career and how, you know, he's made a lot of mistakes in his career and he's, um, you know, but he deserves a chance like this and he deserves a stage like this. And I really want to see if he can go toe-to-toe with probably the best offense in the country in TCU. So I, I want to see what Adrian Martinez has in his sleeve, if he's healthy. I know Will Howard's been in there, uh, but Adrian Martinez, in my opinion, gives them the best chance to win. And then on the group of five side, I'm going to go with Daquan Finn. He was my quarterback to invest in back in August. He's had an up and down year, been banged up recently, but I'm anticipating a really big game for him. And I've, I've been waiting to see him on a stage like this. He deserves this chance to shine. It's an Ohio team that's playing really well, even though Curtis Rourke is out. So I want to see if Finn can can light it up against a really uh really stout Ohio team, and it's going to be a really fun one because that Mac that Mac championship is always a blast every year. This this is going to be no different because I like Toledo, I've liked them all year, but they're kind of sliding into this one a little bit. I want to see if they can get them back on track and, and win a conference title. But now game picks, got to run through it. So Max, here's the scenario here, guy. This is our last week of picks. We have a three-way tie at first place at seven and three. Sam Conan, your buddy at UCLA, is actually one of them. Oh, so we've got – if you win eight games, you win outright. There's no there's no uh, other guy that's following you. So if you win eight games, which has been very impossible because this is the second year we've done this. I don't think somebody did it last year. So if you win eight games, man, that's a, that's a pretty nice crown. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right. We're going to start with the Conference USA, North Texas, and UTSA. Uh, I'm going to go with UTSA in this one. Um, let's see if they can, if they can pull it out. Uh, I'll be honest, like I kind of said earlier in the show, I'm not super tapped in nationally, so I may not have the best explanations for some of these, but I'm going to give my picks. Let's go. North Texas Barstool. You, you did me dirty, but I, I deserved it. Do me dirty again. Take the meat meep. Yeah, meet meet Frank Harris. Gonna throw some bucket balls. Tune in for that. Oh wait, no, you're going to the Pac-12 championship game. Watch the replays of some beautiful Frank Harris bucket balls on the transfer portal CFB Twitter account. Look out for Sakari Franklin, Joshua Cephas, Taiki Ogle Kellogg taking a big step up with the Corian Clark suffering twins. Oh God, I have to. Do I have to think about this? I wrote down UTSA, but like. North Texas is already on our ass, man. So am I they're am I actually mine. gonna consider this? They're on yours, but they they know what's up. They they're following us to make sure we we keep North Texas out of their out of our mouths. But you know what? Screw it. I'm going UTSA. I think this is the better team. I think it's been the better team. I love Frank Harris. The dude should be in, in New York. If if they extended Whoa. it, if they if they had like group of five people and they cared about that, I think Frank Harris would be one of the top guys in that conversation. Nonetheless, I, I do think the uh, this is going to be a shootout, as most UTSA games have been. I feel like North Texas is going to come to play, but I like UTSA to come out because they always do. And no matter what kind of deficit they face, no matter if it's you know they if they're down ten entering the fourth quarter, it doesn't matter. They're just they're just built different. They've been there before, and I feel like that's going to make the difference. So Max are going to be there in person, Pac-12 championship, Utah USC. 
Uh, I'm going to take USC. Uh, I just feel like they have so much momentum, so many, so many pieces on that offense. Um, and I think that that defense, you know, even though it isn't like stellar, I think it's definitely been better than a lot of people expected. Uh, you had, um, I think it was Corey Foreman that had that interception against UCLA. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like fans have been begging that guy to step up, you know, really wanting him to emerge as a former number one recruit, number one, number two with JTT, depending on how you look at it, how it shakes out. But I'm going to take USC. Um, you know, I feel like the matchup doesn't surprise me that much because I was of the opinion before the season that Utah was top dog until someone could knock them off. Um, but I just feel like based on how things have, have you know, unfolded this this season, uh, you know, I, I don't know how you pick against USC. Explosive offense. Utah just if they if they commit a turnover, Utah's done. I'm taking USC because I think they do. Yeah, I think Utah really won against SC because of it being at home and just the emotional night that it was and who they won for was a great win. I like USC winning this game by a decent margin. As I said earlier, regardless of the games that have been played and the results of those, I think UCLA, Oregon State, Oregon, Washington, SC are all better than Utah at this very moment. I don't think the Utah defense has shown to be very good at all really outside of Clark Phillips a third all year. I like SC to smoke them, and I hate the fact that in the middle of September, I told you all on our podcast, Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman. I never bet it. I'm an idiot. Well, I mean, I'm going to go on top of what I said back in July. I, I picked Utah and USC to be the conference championship with the, the changing divisions, and I said that USC would win it, and I still believe that way. All these months later, almost five months later, I still believe that. I think USC is probably the hottest team in the country right now. I think Caleb Williams is the Heisman frontrunner. But I do want to shout out Kyle Whittingham and that coaching staff for getting them to the Pac-12 championship three out of four years and getting having a chance to win two out of four. So they definitely deserve a lot of respect for that, for everything that they've gone through. Injuries, transfer portal, tragedy, all those things. This Utah program yep. deserves a lot of love because they absolutely deserve it. Um, Big 12, Kansas State, TCU. My bad. I was muted for a sec. Um, Big 12. Um, I'm going to go with TCU. I mean, I think it'd be cool if, if there was a little bit of chaos with, with Kansas State. Um, but I think it's too good of a story, um, to, to not, uh, want to see TCU get this one done. Um, just with, you know, where the program has been at, uh, in the in recent years, um, the, the defense has been playing well. Max Duggan has been playing well. He has a story too. Cause I want to say like he was told that he couldn't play football because of a heart issue at one point, unless I'm totally thinking about the wrong player. Um, but I think that that was the case. And then now he's coming back and having a heck of a season helping lean the Horton frogs to give me a, give me TCU. TCU's offense is explosive. We saw that last week against a great defense in Iowa State. They're going to be able to score on anybody. I don't think Kansas State has the tempo to keep up with TCU and take Horn Frogs. The playoffs should already be set. It should it should just be Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and SC, regardless of what happens this week. And I think Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley, the fact that they don't get the amount of respect and recognition for what they deserve week in and week out with what they're doing on the offense and the adjustments that they're making in-game and exploiting secondaries and defenses in the second half, like watch the games and see what TCU is doing and how they're adjusting on the fly and stop calling them frauds because what those two guys are doing in-game to adjust on the fly and that's why they're coming back so often use your eyes and start looking at this because tc is legit and they're going to beat michigan in a few weeks too 
I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna go with what Pat McAfee said a number of weeks ago when these two teams played before. I'm picking TCU oh. because Felix and Udike Uzama is gonna make life difficult for Adrian Martinez. That's a joke. Don't take me seriously. I'm going with Hypnotoad. Mac Championship, Toledo, Ohio. Uh, I'm gonna go with Toledo because they're the Rockets, right? Yeah, right. Yes, sir. Rocky the with, Rocket. Let's go with Toledo. No Curtis Rourke. No problem. This Ohio State team has been Ohio. <laughs> nope. Oh, whoa. Wrong State team. The championship. Wrong Let's go. team. They're not in the conference championship. They don't deserve the word the. It's the Ohio Bobcats. Thank you. Oh, you will. Yeah. Jeez. I love how everyone will like call Ohio State Ohio for absolutely no reason. And then introduce her to the complete opposite way. Uh, Casual. I picked I, I picked Toledo to beat Kent State in the MAC championship back in August. I think Toledo is a really good team. I think Ohio's a better team. I think the strides that they've taken this year are extraordinary. I think the defense is excellent. They have NFL doing Tory Cox at DB. Kai is a stud, absolute stud, one of the most underrated players in the country. And yes, they don't have the Maple Missile. That's okay. His great vibes are going to be on the sideline in Detroit. And CJ Harris is a really good quarterback. They're going to be okay. Ohio's going to win. That team should be top 25. I've, yeah, I have. A, I think I think I was the only one that didn't have Ohio in my top twenty-five. Maybe I did. What's uh, wrong with you? That was, a, that was a long time what? ago. Who knows, man? I'm going with Toledo though because I do think oh, that Dequan Finn was... is going to have his best day as a Rocket, and he's had a really good season. Um, the eye test though, like the, looking at the stats, I don't know, man. He's it, it's been an up and down year, but destroyed the, him. Absolutely, yeah. He was not the same after that injury, but he still has tons of potential, a lot of weapons. I think it's going to be a really fun game. Give me Toledo. This game should have been fun, but if not for injuries, we'd be uh, this would be a headliner. But Coastal Carolina and Troy. I'm going to go with Coastal Carolina. Um, I feel like I'm still riding the success of, was it the, the last season or the season before where they had the anytime, anywhere? Uh Carolina. Was that when that, yeah, that was in Zach Wil- Zach Wilson wore that right? But they they faced off BYU and Coastal. I'm gonna go with Coastal. I'm gonna go with Coastal. I Coastal was so bad last week. I I cannot pick a Coastal team without Grayson McCall. I can't. I got to take Troy, even though I don't think Troy's all too great either. I I I do understand it, but not so fast, my friend. Give me Coastal. I know they looked bad last week, but technically they had nothing to play for. They kind of had nothing to play for, and that was kind of James Madison's Super Bowl in a way. Like, Coastal had nothing to play for. That game meant nothing to them, and I don't know. I don't like the Troy offense enough. I still think the Coastal defense is really good. I think they'll be able to figure it out in some way on the offense because of what Jeremy Chadwell schemes up. So I'll take Coastal. Jared Brown needs to have a massive game, though. Massive. So known as Jamie Chadwell. Why say? Ch- Jeremy. Say Jeremy. <laughs> what an idiot brain moment. Jeremy Chadwell, the newest head coach of the Ohio State Bobcats. I love it. Thank you. If you saw the box score from Troy's win over Arkansas State this past weekend, you assume the game was never close. But as in typical Arkansas State fashion, they were up 19 to 14 going into the fourth. And then Troy just kicked the shit out of, out of <laughs> Arkansas State. Like that, was, that game was awful. Absolutely gross. Troy, I, I agree. The offense is not that great, but Kamani Vidal, the way the guy, that guy's been playing, mm-hmm. he's been one of the best running backs in the last couple of weeks. So I think he's going to keep that going. I like Troy and this one to win handedly. 
because I think this Coastal team is absolutely limping into this game right now. But SEC championship time. Let's let's feed all the all the SEC guys out there that are screaming for you. LSU and Georgia. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Georgia. Um, you know, I don't really, I don't see any reason to pick against them. I think I'm kind of with um. I think Andrew was the one that was saying that Stetson Bennett isn't an elite quarterback. I think he's really good. Uh, I'm definitely, you know, I don't think he's playing like a walk, a former walk on. Um, but you know, there's just too many pieces there that, you know, they're just dominating. I will say that, you know, LSU things have gone better there. I think that a lot of people expected in Brian Kelly's first year, but uh, I'm going to go with, uh, go with Georgia winning the SEC championship. You gotta be a very confident man to take LSU in this one. I'm a coward, Georgia. LSU is coached by Byron Kelly. How can I not take LSU? Please note that that was on purpose. I, I, yes, thank you. I'm taking the family. I don't care. Oh Give me God. LSU. I'm in last place. I have nothing to lose. Georgia has not played good against Samford, Kent State, Missouri, Kentucky, and Georgia Tech. I don't care. Give me LSU coming off that embarrassing loss because Brian Kelly could straight up coach him. They did play pretty good against Oregon, and I, I feel like they're gonna. We're, I think we're gonna see some signs of that Georgia team this week. I think they're gonna. Oh, they God. know that they lost the SEC title last year. I don't think they really care because they won the national championship, but I think they want that as well as a potential national championship as well, just to say that they had a clean sweep. And I think they'll do that to start. I think they get the SEC title over LSU. Let's move on to the American Athletic Conference, UCF and Tulane. Give me Tulane. Um, they're the oh shoot, what's their mascot again? The, the Green the, Wave. The Green Wave. Okay, yeah, I think that that. What does that tell you about how much I followed Tulane? That that's the thing that comes to mind with them. Uh, but yeah, give me Tulane. Uh, I think they're playing, you know, the, some of the best football that they've played in a, in a bit. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Tulane. Ty J Spears is a dog. This UCF team is one of the most overrated teams in the country. You have a loss to Navy. You have a freaking. Awful, awful, awful game against USF that you didn't deserve to win because the ref decided, you know what, that catch was cool enough. We're going to count it, even though it should. It was cool. It, yeah, it was cool. It wasn't, wasn't a catch. catch. He, he he got the ball in his hand. That doesn't make it a catch. That that means he had possession. He didn't get a foot down. I'm taking you know, Tulane big. You know what UCF stands for. Uncontrollably catastrophic football. You can't fool <laughs> me. I'm taking Tulane. Man, you know, it's crazy. Tulane lost 61 games in a row against AP top 25 teams going back to 1984. I think they win their second straight. Give me Tulane. I, we already know who we're picking, uh, who I'm picking in this one, but Fresno State, Boise State. Let's see who y'all are picking. Ooh, this is a tough one. And I think one of the matchups I know a little bit more about in terms of just, you know, what's going on with each team. Um, you know, Andy Avalos, I feel like his, you know, first year uh, as head coach at Boise State, you know, that there was that, you know, dream school type of deal getting hired away from Oregon. Thought a lot of people thought this was going to go a lot better. And then Fresno State kind of just got gutted with uh, DeBoer going to Washington and and uh, with Fresno with a gosh, sorry, words are hard with Hainer getting hurt. But uh, man, I am like not the biggest, but a very big Jake Hainer fan. I'm going to go with Fresno State. I love Jake Hayner as well. I think Taylor Green brings something dynamic to that Boise State offense that Fresno State's going to have a tough time stopping. I'm going to take the Broncos. Why you say that again? I, I suck at talking, man. 
I've never heard you say Broncos like that. Um, I'm taking... No, I ended up saying like Broncos. Like my arches in work. I'm taking the Boise State Broncos too. The move to Taylor Green was needed so desperately and it's paid off exceptionally well. If they went with Taylor Green from the get-go, we're looking at a team that truly has 10 or 11 wins. I think this is a very good Boise State team. And yeah, I don't know. I just love that defense. Jail Skinner after getting ejected for a garbage targeting call last week and basically cussing out the refs and thumbs downing all of them like you doing that, he's going to come back and have a pick or two. And, oh, wait, he's playing King Hainer. He's going to have a forced fumble in this game or two. King Hainer. I absolutely love that. The fact that these teams have only 17 wins combined going into this game is not something I would have expected back in August. Obviously, injuries. Boise State went through a coaching change with their offensive coordinator. Um, you know, things happen during the season that it's just hard mm-hmm. to predict. But Fresno State, I think, is the better team going into this game right now. Nobody's picking them to win this game. I, I don't remember what the spread is. I think Boise's a three-point favorite, but I think I think it's like 69% is what ESPN gave Boise State to win this game. Nice. It's Fresno State, man. Fresno it's State, also, yeah, nice. It's great that we got this matchup in a year where we are looking at potentially San Jose State or UNLV against, like, you know, Team A. And now one of those doesn't have a head coach. Dun, dun, dun. That was not It was a low blow at the freaking athletic department because it was a stupid move. Why? They already need to deal with prime time. <laughs> if, the, if they did, you know what? Fine by me. Prime time in Sin City? Are you kidding me? Oh, give me that, please. But moving on to Big Ten country, Purdue and Michigan. I uh, don't feel like there's a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, I'm going to go with Michigan. I mean, they've been dominant all year, uh, running the ball at defense, uh, you know, you name it. Um, been, been cool to see them be able to kind of carry over some of that success from last year uh, and looks like they're in the driver's seat to return to the playoffs. So uh, go blue. Michigan next. I save us by avoiding us from an old Georgia graphic. I won't do that with Michigan. They'll happily be rooting for Purdue to set the college football world on fire by showing that the Big Ten really just reeks. It's just bad football. I'm sorry. Spoiler makers? Yeah. No. Please. Man. Like, yes, please. I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and, and say that Purdue's been dominant all year, but that performance against Ohio State was extremely convincing. I did not think they were capable of that, but that was Ryan Day getting exposed for who he is, in my opinion. I think that was more of that than Michigan being a much better team. I don't think they're 22 points better than Ohio State. I just think Ryan Day is a goofball, and he just decides to screw around sometimes. But I'm going Michigan in this one. As oh, much as I'd right. love to see Purdue win a Big Ten title, it's just crazy to think about. But I think Michigan is the better team, and I think they will win uh, by by two scores at least. Um, and finally, this one's kind of a gross one at this point. I didn't really expect yeah, to say that, but these teams this. are – just slugging into this matchup. Clemson against North Carolina. Oh man. Uh this was this was interesting because uh South Carolina got that big win over Clemson last weekend, I want to say. Um, you know, North Carolina has things rolling with with Drake May at quarterback. Um, I'm in for some chaos. Give me UNC and the Tar Heels. You're a better man than I. I'll say that, Max. Look, if you give me this matchup three weeks ago, I promise you I'm taking UNC. Whatever the spread is, I'll take their money line if it's plus money. 
their coaching staff is awful. Their defense is anemic. Their offensive play calling makes Drake May, for some reason, run quarterback power every drive. It doesn't make any sense. That's not how you utilize such a special talent. I'm taking Clemson here just based on coaching. It's fun because everything Andrewster just said, just substitute the word Drake May for Sam Powell, and, and it's what I said in 2020 and 2021. The coaching staff at UNC is absolutely garbage, but Mac Brown's a cool dude that dances and has fun. And yeah, he's great. I like Mac Brown, but dude, him and his coaching staff are not that good. Give me Clemson. I think this game is awful too. I'll, I'll enjoy watching it, but I guess I don't, I'm not looking forward to it. I'd rather watch Akron Buffalo. You know, I, I had this trend during the season where I, I changed my pick uh, mid-show, and I won two in a row, two really big ones. Um, and I, I lost when I picked Tennessee to beat Georgia. And the, the, the streak was snapped. So I'm going to go back to it. This is our last preview where we're, we're doing picks. Um, I don't know if we're going to do picks for every bowl game. We'll we'll figure that out. We'll Ooh. let you know. But uh, um, we'll see. That's going to be a long show if we do that. That'll have to be just next picks. week at least. That's true. That's very true. I might not be on that one, though, next week. But I'm going North Carolina. I think this Clemson team um, is really, really weird. Because bad. DJ Uyunglele started good. I don't know if I'm going to say they're bad because I still think their stinky. defense is capable. Especially, yeah, Stinky is kind of right now what I'd say. But the North Carolina offense should be able to compete with the Clemson defense. However, the coaching staff and just the, the scenarios down the stretch – with coaching is just bizarre to me. So I, I would give the experience edge and the coaching edge to Clemson, but I just have this feeling that Drake may is going to say, Hey, you know what? Don't forget about me. I know the last couple of weeks have been disgusting. I know this team has been vastly underperforming in the last couple of weeks. Um, it seemed like a couple of weeks ago, they should have been the favorite in this game, but I'm going North Carolina in this one. Cause I think Clemson, DJ Uingale against Drake May. Give me Drake May. Like I, I feel like that offense is just going to put up more points, regardless yeah. of the defenses. Now, North Carolina's defense has been bad, but I think they're going to step up to the plate um, against DJ Uingale, who completed what like eight percent of his passes last week, something like that. Like yeah, it was just man. about like Dabo versus Mac. Coach Sweeney's got that trip. Shut up. Can we Shut end up. it, please? A great, a great, that's a great that. callback. No, no it's not. TikTok was. It's not. The last okay, thing I needed really today not. was for Liam Blutman to say the word drip. Trust me, he's got that drip. And and the recording. We've said a lot of, we've said a lot of weird words today, but we're going to end it there. Max, thank you so much for joining us for our Week 14 Conference Championship preview. Where can people find more of your work? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. You can find me on Twitter at mTorres Sports. Uh, on uh, you can find my written work on DucksDigest.com. On YouTube at Oregon Football Max Torres, and then my podcast is the Ducks Dish Podcast on your uh, podcasting platform of choice. Ooh. Sorry, just saw a notable transfer that happened right after that. Corey Crooms. Oh, Corey Crooms, Western Michigan receiver in the portal. That's big time. He's on the receiver. Absolutely. Well, we're not going to spend any more time talking about that. We don't want to hold Max too much because we know he's got to get back to the grind at hand. So thank you so much, Max, for joining us. Thank you, Liam and Andrewster, for joining us as well. And thank you out there for tuning in. Make sure to keep tuning in for future podcasts and future videos. We've got tons of content on our website and social media as well. Be a part of the, the fun because we're absolutely growing everywhere. So thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next one.